You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, Merry Christmas to all. We're just four days away. It is a flown by, flown by leading up to Christmas. It's just amazing. I got to get out and get some things done. I'll do that. I know Lars is efforting the very, very same. But uh, good afternoon, Lars. Let's talk some recruiting here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, terrific day for Alabama. And, um, you know, Nick Saban made his first public comments about uh, several of the recruits. And I was intrigued with what he said, of course, about Julian Sane. Just that uh, outstanding player. Ball comes out of his hand really nice. He's accurate. He's smart. He had a great high school career, but one of the best players, most productive players in the country on a very consistent basis. We like him a lot. So <laughs> that tells you. That's and why I, and he flew I just, the West Coast last week. It, yeah, it just feels like they have a special relationship. And again, one of my friends who's working on a book has been embedded with the Saiyan family. And uh, the admiration that Julian has for Nick uh, Saban and, and that Saban has for Julian is just quite evident in how they interact, how often they interact, uh, you know, uh, uh, phone calls, t- really talking frequently. And um, I, I, I mean, look, he hasn't played a single down at Alabama, nor will he <laughs> this year. Uh, but... It sure feels like he is, he's got every shot to be the future, kind of the future face of the, of the program along with Nick Saban and potentially a, a three year starter. Well, Alabama is considered, I think, by many large, you jump in here at any, any moment, uh, two. George is number one, but other that really, really won in most every single article that I've read. Lars, flipping Rayola. That's the name of the game if you're talking in Lincoln, Nebraska. Nebraska's considered to have one of the top signing classes, and Rayola's one of the reasons. Um, nobody can be surprised by this at all. They got the number one player in the nation, and Jeremiah Smith, Ohio State, is way up. Here are just a couple of the teams that, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at a CBS report here that didn't do well, fell off at the end. Florida and UCLA, and UCLA, year seven, Chip Kelly, how's that working out? I don't know. But the big guys that you normally expect to win won, Lars, and that will play out because not everybody signed yesterday. They'll sign again in February. And they factor in the transfer. They start factoring in the transfer portal. And Ole Miss has got to jump up there because I've just been seeing X after tweet. <laughs> if I think there's such a thing. that um, Lane Kiffin just absolutely made it big time on transfer portal. And one other note, um, Auburn wanted wide receivers. They got them. They got two five-star or close to five-star, and two others. They're not going to be the same team at all next year. Yeah, and just looking at at 24-7s, their recruiting rankings, Georgia at one. uh, Georgia had uh, four five-stars already signed and 24-stars. I mean, there are so many teams that would just die to have one four-star, Matt. It's just unbelievable. Uh, Alabama has uh, three five-stars. 
uh, 17 four stars at, uh, 24 seven has them at, at number two. Three is Miami of Florida. Uh, they've done a, a really good job. Uh, Ohio State sort of right there as, as you mentioned. Texas at five. Oregon at six. Auburn, as you said, at seven. Really good job. Late, good, late push by Hugh Freeze, uh, uh, raising the overall talent level. Uh, at Auburn, and that's something that's needed just across the board. And he landed two five stars and, and 13 four stars. And then just rounding out the top 10, eight uh, Oklahoma, nine Florida State, and 10 the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Should be noted LSU, uh, is at 11. Clemson is at 12. That's usually where Clemson usually is. Tennessee at 13. Uh, Penn State 14. Michigan. 15, Florida 16, even though Florida lost a few players right there at the end, still, uh, Texas A&M. What's a common theme here? See, there, every team is either from, uh, the SEC or the Big Ten, uh, USC at 18, my Huskers at 19. Man, they have not been this high, um, since I can remember. It's been 20 years, uh, and getting ready to Frazier? And getting, uh, probably. Probably. I mean, for sure, uh, Rayola is, is the most important recruit si- since Tommy Frazier. And then before that, it was, uh, Turner Gill out of getting Turner Gill out of Texas and getting Tommy Frazier out of, uh, Bradenton, Florida. But, um, and then now getting Sayan, who, man, up until it, it's amazing how quick this stuff changes because, I mean, saying moves from, I'm not saying, Rayola moves from Phoenix to Georgia for his senior year. He's committed to Georgia. All signs point to him going to Georgia. And then I think it was what, two weeks ago over the weekend, something clearly happened. And I am guessing it had to do with NIL money that he didn't get or that wasn't respect. Maybe, um, that, that, I mean, that's, that's a good possibility. Um, but I, I what I'm hearing is more about NIL. Um, I, and, and also for whatever reason, it didn't seem like Kirby really cared that much that he was, he maybe was going to leave. I, I don't know. All, all I do know is that something happened that caused him to sort of reexamine, uh, you know, his, his, his priorities of what he wants in a school and a program and a coach and ends up in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, as a California kid, I don't know that sometimes factors in because they're just usually a little bit different breed. Maybe the South didn't, but then now he's going to go to Nebraska. You'll talk about a weather change if nothing else. Wow. He's going to be playing in weather he's never experienced in his life. Certainly not in Buford, Georgia or California. But, uh, that's, no. And, and can you apparently, imagine when, what you when were he was there, when a he was minute there, ago, he, you said Georgia had four five stars and 24 stars. Yeah. They would have five five stars and 24 stars. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that. What's Kirby doing that Nick isn't? Well, they're basically doing the same. I, I just think that within a 500 mile radius of Athens, Georgia, there is simply more talent than there is within a 500 mile radius of 
Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And look, I, I understand that both recruit nationally and for Alabama, they're recruiting internationally. Uh, they landed the two top players, uh, two top international players, uh, um, in this class. But it's still, it, it, there, there, you, you, it, it's hard to overcome proximity to campus sometimes. You know, and if it, if it's, if you're waffling, if a kid is waffling from, uh, playing across the country, uh, to playing within a hundred miles of home, they're usually going to go to a hundred miles of home, right? Because it's, it, it's hard for parents to, to fly, you know, from, you know, uh, Buford, Georgia to, uh, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, it's not an easy trip. So if it comes down to say a Georgia or Oregon in that instance, I think, uh, probably would lean Georgia. But anyway, that, that, that's my theory. Uh, but we've certainly, we, we're going to talk to Andrew Bone at 1230, um, a recruiting expert and we'll, we'll ask him that question of, of, uh, what is Kirby Smart doing? And Kerry Clark handled things for Tide 100.9. He's going to join us on the other side of this break. So. And later on, at 1 o'clock hour, load them up, get ready, set aside some time. The one and only Fox Sports, Tim Brando, is going to join us. Let's take our break, get that out of the way. We'll remind you that uh, this hour, both hours, being brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Kerry Clark is going to sit in literally when we get back. is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Do you need 100 100- Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today, 57. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights. The low, 36. Tomorrow and Saturday, partially sunny both days. The warming trend continues. The high tomorrow, 60. The high Saturday, 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. You know, Julian is outstanding, you know, player. A ball comes out of his hand really nice. He's accurate. He's smart. Uh, he's had a great, you know, high school career and um, been one of the best players, most productive players in the country on a very consistent basis. And um, we like him a lot. And uh, I think as all players, I tell all players, you know, you really got to focus on your development. Uh, that's the most important thing. What are you going to become? And uh, I think he's got the right mindset to do that. 
just an awesome quote and speaks so highly for saying the incoming quarterback. Incoming, heck, he's on campus. He's throwing the football in the practice field. So he's there and a part of yet another wonderful top-ranked Nick Saban recruiting class. Joining us to talk about that is, again, Kerry Clark, who handles that end of the business with uh, Town Square Media in Tuscaloosa with Tide 100.9. How late did you work last night, Kerry? I'm curious because I know you started, I think you said, 6.45. Well, fortunately, uh, my current producer, Wyatt Fulton, took the basketball game last night, and uh, I guess you could call it work having to watch that game. But I didn't actually write about it until this morning when I kind of recapped Oates' quotes. But if you count watching the game as working, uh, it was still around midnight. That's a good day, though, in Alabama. <laughs> but uh, it's a long day, too. Uh, just take a view from 10,000 feet here and just kind of assess what you think Alabama did yesterday. Well, they showed that they're still one of the top three or four programs in the country. Uh, the playoff committee noticed it, and down the road recruiting community has re-noticed it. Uh, we talked yesterday about how tireless and relentless that Saban was. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding, the fruit's in the bowl. You, you signed the number two class consensus in the country and weren't that far behind Georgia. If uh, Georgia hadn't flipped the, uh, the Bolden kid from Buford at the last minute off of Florida State, Bama might have had the number one class in the country yesterday, but yet and still, number two, uh, a, a bronze medal, if you if you wish, is nothing to be ashamed about. And what it tells the world is uh, Alabama's here to stay. Obviously, the headliner of the class is Julian Sand. Who are some of the players that have just caught your eye uh, when you've gone back and looked at their uh, high school tape? I mean, the one that caught my eye the most, Lars, didn't even sign yesterday. He's going to sign in February on his 17th birthday, which is Ryan Williams from Sarah Land. He caught my eye the most. Uh, he's still being counted in the rankings because people realize that he is a firm commitment. Uh, regarding the ones that did sign yesterday, I've always been impressed with Jalen Mbakwe from Clay Chalkful. Uh, just a great athlete. Great high school quarterback. I mean, you watch him play quarterback in high school and you think you're watching like a 6'2 version of Cam Newton, but his future here at Alabama is at defensive back. I'm not sure yet if he'll be a safety or a corner. I do feel like he's going to factor very strongly in the kick return game. Uh, I'm not sure if it'd be kickoffs or punts, but he's he's going to be having the ball in his hands in some way, despite the fact that he'll be practicing on defense when he first gets here. So, uh, Mbakwe is just an incredible athlete. Uh, he was probably the best athlete in the senior class in the state of Alabama. And then the best athlete in the junior class was Ryan Williams Jr., who reclassified to the senior classes for the last minute. I wanted to ask you more about Ryan Williams. Sure. What's all this talk about his him leaning and, and thinking about Auburn? Wishful thinking. It's just how they made up that uh, Alabama thought it was going to flip Perry Thompson. It's uh, it's wishful thinking. They've thrown a big NIL deal at him, and they're hoping that in the next 60 days that will cause him to change his mind. But <laughs> he was at the Iron Bowl cheering for Alabama. As Auburn's guest, that doesn't sound to me like somebody wow. that's leaning on flipping. That sounds like somebody that wanted to go eat at Acre. Maybe. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. 
No, it's a very. By the way, Acres is a very, very popular restaurant in Auburn. Very good one, from what I understand. I have not been there. Uh, but as long as we're talking about Auburn, they did pick up some wide receivers now, didn't they? Which they vastly need. Well, who's going to get the ball to them, Matt? Uh, Peyton Are Warren you, is going to be a spare me. trophy candidate. Spare me. Come on. Wouldn't start at the Jacksonville. White kid? I don't know. I don't know anything about the... Uh, who's going to get the ball to him? You're a receiver you're, that's going to Auburn. You're going for the NIL. Period. End right, of story. Aside of who's going to be the quarterback, did they not pick up some good wide receivers? Yes, they did, sir. Yeah, okay. But uh, I don't know who's going to give them the football. Uh, I hope they like blocking. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they like route running and having the ball being thrown over their heads into the stands or at their feet. If they like that, they're going to the right place. But, again, they're going for NIL. They're not going because they want to be at Auburn. All about the Benjamins, dead presidents. So Auburn is uh, really up their game as far as uh, NIL. uh, How do you do that, by the way? I I, got to interject here <laughs> they're not strictly going there for nil i mean look Hugh freeze has put together a really nice class a top 10 class and i think that should be uh you know noted and uh i mean who knows i mean freeze really does like walker white um who was uh i mean not as highly uh, touted as uh as as many but um you know, uh, Clemson wanted him desperately, and uh, and Auburn got him. So, not saying that Auburn's going to you know necessarily hang their hat on this kid, but they do have a a, a young quarterback in, in the mix now. Well, so. that's good to hear. Uh, maybe that's what those receivers are basing that on. Uh, but at the same time, and I'm not taking anything away from the class that Freeze put together. I'm just telling you how he did it. Well, I think there is value to playing for Hugh Freeze, don't you? Somewhat. Oh. It helped A.J. Green a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a little Malik bit of value. Willis. Yeah, he's, Malik Willis has been a bust. He's beaten uh, at the college, at the pro level. That's what I mean. But you're, yeah. you're talking about value. I say, when you say value, yeah, he was a great college player. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you get to the pros, if you look lost, what what, what development did you get? We're talking more like the college level right now. I okay, just, well, he was a wonderful college player. There some refusal to... Do, do you think Hugh Freeze is a good coach? Yes, I do think he's a good coach. I do yeah. not think he's a great coach. There's a difference. Well, he's a, he's a, a, he's a B-plus wise. coach. Okay. Well, that's probably where Auburn ought to be. Um, They're an 8-4 and four hey, program. Are, they hired an 8-4 and four coach. Good for them. Who are... Uh, who are some of the guys that are in this class that might have immediate impact? I think you, oh, you kind of addressed this a minute ago. I, I definitely oh. think Ryan Williams, but I don't want to beat that horse to death. Uh, I think you have to look at Mbakwe because of the holes in the secondary. Uh, you know, gosh, I, it's um, those two are the main ones that come to my mind immediately because of the fact that there's, there's playing time there. Uh, but... Uh, I think a dark horse might be the uh, the Riley kid that they flipped at the last minute uh, from Tuscaloosa County that had been committed for six months to Miami. He might be a dark horse to push for some t- some playing time at running back or or strong safety or where they put him. I don't, they got to decide where they're going to put him. But athletically, uh, he's incredible. 
he was a steal. Terry, uh, take a minute and talk about the guys that are already on campus, like Julian saying. Um, how is it going? How are those workouts going and moving forward? My favorite thing about Julian saying is, well, there's two. One is that for years he's been compared to Bryce Young at that level. Now, we're talking freshman Bryce Young. But the other thing is the fact that when Jalen Milrow stood at the podium a couple of days ago and was asked about him, the first thing out of his mouth was, I like the way he spins the ball. Now, that's high praise uh, coming from the current starter to having only seen a kid practice two or three times and to say, I like the way he spins the ball. And Saban kind of intimated the same thing yesterday during his press conference. Uh, I don't want to put a bunch of pressure on the kid. There were people that thought that Bryce Young was going to walk in here and take Mac Jones's job. Now, Julian Sand is not going to walk in here and take Jalen Milrow's job, but he certainly might take Ty Simpson's as a backup. He certainly might. I think there's a ton of potential there, and that's not even a shot against Ty. That's a positive vibe about about Julian. Yeah, that's uh, that seems to be the, the way things uh, are moving. Um, Want to ask you real quick about Alabama hoops uh, for those of us who stayed up very late to watch that game. I did. I did too. Uh, Alabama absolutely collapsed in the last uh, seven eight minutes. Uh, they were right there uh, going toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country. Just your thoughts on that game and what that game says about this Alabama team right now. You know, Lars, I, I meant to bring this up yesterday, and I'll bring it up today. Matt and I go back far enough in radio to remember vinyl records. Watching this Alabama basketball team is like a broken record. It's the same mistakes night after night, night after night, game after game, possession after possession. Now, is part of that who they're playing? Three straight top ten opponents? You're dang straight it is. Part of it is who they're playing. You know, you can get away with the crap that cost them those last three games if you're playing somebody like South Alabama, but they're not. They're playing top ten teams that they were on the verge of upsetting all three of them. Had a seven-point second-half lead last night, but they continued to struggle on open three-pointers, and they continued to struggle in the last 10 to 12 seconds of defensive possessions when they're guarding the other team. They'll start the possession off great, and then with about 10 seconds to go on the shot clock, there'll be some type of miscommunication, and somebody gets wide open for a dunk or a three-pointer, and they've got to fix it. And I'm confident that by the time they hit the SEC in in two or three weeks, they'll fix it. But it needs to start now. You know, the team a year ago didn't have near misses. They had makes when games got tight down the stretch. And Oates has got a job to do to coach them around that because uh, you just summed it up perfectly. They're six and five, and they've got to get better, Matt. they just got to get better. And, And look... The schedule lightens up a little bit in the next couple of weeks, and then then the grind starts for the Southeastern Conference, and we all know how that goes. Yeah, and Kentucky's showing signs of having a really special team. Uh, I really think Bruce Pearl's got it going on at Auburn, so you're going to step out of this non-conference schedule to the SEC, and um, those last-minute failures, are they're not going to play in this league either. They hey, will carry. not. Thanks a lot. Great job yesterday, as always. Thank you for having me, guys, and we will talk again soon.
All right. We'll uh, continue. That We'll go to 24-7, Bama 24-7 when we get back, and we will talk with DeBone. Andrew Bone will uh, give us his thoughts on first signing day. Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. couple minutes to talk recruiting in the meantime Lars we just shot out of the gate we started talking recruiting how is that give me a little uh, shopping update there you about done I am uh, getting close I'm getting close um, you know the, the problem is now Matt I, see, I've never really done Christmas shopping online and for those of us who procrastinated a little bit, tried to do some last night, and I suddenly realized, you know what? Everything I order now won't make it here on time. So uh, Santa Claus is going to be scrambling around a little bit today. I, I, I kind of got the core. You're going to have to hit the big box stores, aren't yeah, you? You're gonna yeah. You're going to have to put the I, armor I the, on. I, hit the cor- I, I, I feel like I have their kind of core presence, you know? Now it's yeah. just more like... Uh, Ancillary, filling in, yeah, filling in stuffers. little things. Yeah, yeah. How about you? With us. Uh, I'm going out. I've gotten a little bit done, um, but uh, my goal is to try and complete it today and tomorrow. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. But uh, anyway, Andrew Bone, bad to the bone, is with us. Hey, did you survive yesterday? Okay, I guess you're with us. So yes, I barely made it, guys. So. I, Give us give us a little bit of the details. How difficult is it for a recruiting guru to go through signing day as a guru? You know, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, a lot of people want you to, a lot of people expect the predictions to be 100% accurate every single time. So they got a lot of eyes on it. And there's a thing we went through this recruiting cycle, not really knowing what was going to happen with some kids. And, you know, a lot of it's NIL driven. A lot of it's, you know, trying to make decisions at the last minute. Um, you know, it, a lot of it's potential coaching staff changes, uh, that can affect some recruitment. I mean, there's just so much that can, that can change, you know, especially in the final week. I mean, there was a kid yesterday who I think as of Monday, and maybe it was Sunday night going into Monday, you know, Alabama was in very strong position for him. And this was coming from, and not only the Alabama side, but the Florida side, the Auburn side. This was a kid that uh, ultimately signed with Auburn. But every, everybody expected him to go to Alabama. And then come Tuesday, everybody expected him to go to Florida because that was what we were hearing from multiple people. And then uh, late last night, the kid ends up signing with Auburn. So, 
you know, it's part of it. You know, there was a kid yesterday, uh, Edric Houston, is a five-star defensive lineman that was committed to Ohio State. You know, talking to people on the Ohio State side, everybody was kind of thinking he was about to flip to uh, to Alabama yesterday. And even his mom shows up at the press conference at noon wearing an Alabama shirt and also a Ohio State shirt because he didn't really know what he was going to ultimately do and he ends up sticking with Ohio State. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of, uh, a lot of phone calls, uh, a lot of writing, uh, you know, trying to you know, put out your final predictions, your, your stories and all that stuff. And, you know, I was working until about 1.30 uh, last night, kind of getting our signing day recap stuff ready to, uh, to post this morning. But, you know, throughout the day, you're just kind of constantly online uh, talking to you know, thousands of subscribers. You're talking to um, as many contacts and sources as you possibly can. And not just on the Alabama side, but on every side with every remaining target that's potentially out there, uh, trying to figure out what's uh, what's happening and you know, making sure that uh, you put out accurate information. And I think we did pretty well on Bama Online. I think the only one that we, you know, you know, not necessarily expected, but we predicted in the end. We thought that Edric Houston was going to flip. Did not happen, but you know, we nailed uh, you know the Kevin Riley flip, the Steve Boamoa. Uh, uh, flip from uh, from Canada, the um, the Arian Hampton flip from Texas to Alabama, and you know the big thing about Alabama heading into the day was they were ranked with the number two overall recruiting class in the country. They did not lose any uh, commits. I mean, uh, you, you saw kids flipping all over the country, but you didn't see any Alabama um, guys flip. And you saw Alabama end up signing twenty three guys yesterday uh, in its class. You know, Andrew, um, one day I want to be known as a guru of something. Does your wife ever call you a guru? <laughs> no. Not at all. I, 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 Lars, I got a couple for you, but it's just uh, probably hey, maybe after the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, looking at this class, um, and I know there's still uh, some more players that are to come on board, did it fill the areas of need for Alabama? And, and what were those needs as you identified them, uh, you know, heading into this recruiting season? Yeah, so we, you know, heading into the recruiting season, we said the biggest needs were going to be in the defensive backfield. Uh, they were going to be um, at tight end, uh, at the interior offensive line. Um, felt like Alabama hit those needs. Uh, they signed six. Uh, defensive backs, uh, including I think four who were in the top 100, um, including Jalen Mbakwe uh, out of Clay Chapel High School, uh, number one athlete in the country. So, you know, getting that group, and they still have potential to add one more. Uh, Zay Zay Mincy, who's the number uh, three ranked cornerback in the country, uh, will announce at the All American Bowl on January 6th. He's actually supposed to sign today, but it won't get known. Uh, for a couple weeks. Um, so they could potentially add seven there. Um, you look at the tight end position. They were able to get the number one tight end in the country in Caleb Odom. Uh, they were able to get a, you know, more of a utility type guy in Jay Lindsay. So you, uh, you know, kind of have your guy that can stretch the field, but you also have your guy uh, that can go in and do the dirty work, uh, kind of like a Robbie Oot, uh type player. 
and then on the interior offensive line. Alabama signed a terrific offensive tackle class last year. I think they had four offensive tackles, one interior player. This year, a little bit more focused on the interior. They were able to sign three of the top 15 interior linemen in the country, uh, including uh, Casey Poe, who is the number one interior offensive lineman, uh, according to On3 Sports. So I think they were able to meet you know, a lot of needs there. You know, obviously, there's still some kids that were out there that uh, they wish they could have added late. But um, overall, another uh, another fantastic finish for, uh, for Nick Saban. Andrew Bone, uh, one more question. We'll let you get out of here. I just can't imagine how busy you, uh, you and Kerry Clark both have been the last 24 hours. But is there another potential signee that would come up the first Wednesday in February that Alabama really has their sights set on other than Ryan Williams? Yeah. So, you know, as I said, Zay Mincy, um, you know, he could, he's, he's going to announce on January the 6th. Now he will sign this week. Um, you know, Daniel Hill at a Meridian High School running back that Alabama has continued to, uh, to recruit. He signed yesterday. Um, probably, you know, been between Alabama, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. He'll, re- he'll reveal that decision on, uh, January the 6th. Um, you know, outside of Ryan Williams, who everybody will want to, you know, find out where he's going. I mean, I-, I do think Alabama is in really good position to keep him on board, but, we know how uh, how things go, especially during official visits, and uh, he won't announce for another month and a half. So I'm sure Alabama fans will be on their toes. You know, one other guy that we'll watch is uh, Terry Busey, who is the five-star athlete out of uh, Texas, uh, been committed to Texas A&M for a while. I know that they're trying to get him to go ahead and sign this week, but he hasn't. Uh, as of right now, plans on waiting until February to sign. So they could potentially bring him on campus for an official visit or not an official visit, excuse me, he's already taken an official, uh, a potentially another unofficial visit in January and kind of see where things go. But I would say that the majority of the interest heading into the late period will probably be focused more on uh, transfer portal guys than high school players. Well, outstanding job. How do people follow you and find you? Well, come to BamaOnline.com. Today is actually our last day for our 50% off special. Uh, for one year, so go check us out, BamaOnline.com. We're going to have some great uh, bowl covers coming up from uh, from Pasadena, uh, and uh, and a ton of uh, obviously we'll have a ton of recruiting stuff coming up still, uh, transfer portal information and all that good stuff. And you can hang out with us every every day on the Bama Online Roundtable. But uh, nothing else. Follow me on uh, my Twitter slash uh, X account at Andrew the letter J Bone. Thank you so much, Andrew. Really appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks, Bob. Hey, Merry Christmas you guys. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, I think Bone's got little ones, too. Man, that's, that's great Christmas stuff. Uh, I got to bring this subject up because it is uh, it's pertinent. But it's going to be one of the more uncomfortable deliveries I've had in... Man, a very long time. We'll share that with you on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. 
Hey, this is Barry with Inside the Locker Room. Dad and I want to thank everybody for listening uh, throughout the year. We hope everybody has a merry, merry Christmas. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday, and we'll break down this college football playoffs for you. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Weather brought to you by 100.9 Tuscaloosa Weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today, 57. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights. The low, 36. Tomorrow and Saturday, partially sunny both days. The warming trend continues. The high tomorrow is 60, the high Saturday 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning Lars and myself in. Of course, our producer... Noah Haynes, and we have Wyatt Fulton on board now as well. Lars read this story, and I immediately started thinking how I was going to read it on the air. And uh, it's about Elijah Pritchett, who is an Alabama offensive lineman. He played in every single game this year. So um, he is obviously a contributor up front. But he was arrested last night for knowingly passing along an STD. Yeah, just kind of tough to read that. Um, earlier, I think he had uh, just really tipped his pinky toe in the water of transfer portal and immediately pulled it back out saying, I don't think this is for me. But I guess I am spot on when it comes to talking about this particular subject. And you don't even need to reply if you don't want to. But it's very, very uncomfortable when an arrest is made for knowingly passing along an STD. So, I don't know that that's going to affect his playing time. I don't know if he goes in the bowl. We don't know anything. It happened last night. So, um, yeah. but I, I will say this. Alabama needs him. Yeah. Um, just on the football side of it, it, it would be uh, it would be a bit of a hit. But, uh, you know, this is a... It's it's kind of too uh, salacious to to get into because we just we just don't know the details. Uh, we do, however, know details of Alabama basketball team losing their third straight game. Um, and you know, last year's Alabama team, and it's really not fair to compare the two, given that Alabama was the number one overall seed in the tournament. But last year, Alabama didn't lose back-to-back games all season. And now Bama's lost three in a row. Um, but, you know, you got to look at who they've also played on the road. I mean, this schedule, Matt, 
it's in and I know NATO it's talked about why he uh, they put the schedule together this way but on the road playing Purdue on the road playing Creighton on the road playing Arizona with a uh, 10 p.m. central time tip I mean, and, and the thing is, and, and Arizona's, you know, ranked number one in the country and, and Alabama played really well for about 25, 27 minutes or so. And then things just kind of fell apart and, uh, kind of have to ask yourself, are, are there, are there, are there larger issues at play? What, what's the problem? And, um, I think uh, number one is, um, they got to start limiting their fouls. I mean, Alabama's been called for 24 or more fouls in each of the past three games. And the players who are committing those fouls, uh, the, the the main culprits here are, are their two centers. And uh, they both fouled out against Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. I'm talking about Pringle and Mo. Uh, I forget how to pronounce his last name. I'm horrible at names. Mo Wagi. We go. Uh, we do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so they, and they just need to be consistent, uh, in, in their shooting. I mean, Alabama players, they, they had some really good looks at threes last night and they just couldn't knock them down, uh, at, at real critical junctures. They just went cold. And also, Matt, I just don't know right now if, if they've figured out their identity. You know, who is going to be, um, the, the go-to guy when you absolutely, when you absolutely need a bucket? Who, who want, who, who deserves the ball? Who wants the ball when you absolutely need something? Uh, I mean, there's obviously no Brandon Miller on this team, but Brandon Miller is a unicorn. I mean, he's going to be a terrific NBA player for a long time. Reason he was, uh, what, number two overall pick. Um, but I think they're just still trying to figure things out. But, you know, Alabama, they're six and five overall, which doesn't sound great. But according to, uh, Ken Palm, uh, they're still ranked number nine in the, co- in the country. I mean, it's because of the schedule and, and, uh, as, as Kerry mentioned earlier, Alabama could have gotten away with making some of the mistakes they've made if the competition wasn't, you know, three of the top 10 teams in the country on the road. But I do think there, there may be a method to this perceived madness of the scheduling and that it absolutely is going to help this team. Uh, down the stretch and and then into March. I think their biggest problem is trying to create chemistry. And it's been difficult. It looked like at first Alabama had it, but let's face it, the schedule wasn't that difficult. But I would say on the plus side, uh, by the way, I, I need to correct myself about Pritchett. Pritchett did not play against Georgia. Let, let me note that because I said he played in every game. He, in fact, did not, and that was part of the reason why he entered the transfer portal. Okay, moving back to basketball. I think right now they are also probably looking to Sears too much. Uh, Sears is a returning starter, returning leader. Uh, he's averaging 21 points a game. Now, that's pretty big time especially when you have the offensive power 
that Alabama does in some of these incoming players. I mean, like a Grant Nelson, all right? So, and I think sometimes when a play needs to be made, they're always looking to Sears, and that may be part of the problem. Last night, Sears wasn't nearly as effective. Arizona had a lot to do with that, by the way, as uh, Mark Sears only scored 12 points. So you mentioned a team that is searching for its identity. I I think that's exactly it. They got to figure out what piece goes well in the overall Crimson Tide puzzle, and that just hasn't happened. Uh, I think what is frustrating, though, is you, Kerry, and I have all talked about is that the puzzle seems to be working quite well for about 25 to 30 minutes, and then suddenly, I don't know, a little kid comes in and takes a couple of pieces and throws them across the room, and Alabama can't put it back together again. But there's my thoughts. They're, uh, they're looking for that consistency, but there is no way in you know where that playing these tough games on the road doesn't help put that chemistry together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is just such a different team than um, last year. It's it's amazing this the the turnover and and um, you know uh, I think Grant Nelson a lot was uh, is expected of him. And there may have been a little bit more of an adjustment going from North Dakota State now to playing uh, with the, with the big boys at the highest highest level, and uh, you know he he was okay last night. Um, he scored seventeen, five rebounds, two assists, but he's the he is the player on this team to me, Matt, who has the potential to be the go to guy. And, and, and he missed uh, a, a few just absolutely critical and open uh, three-pointers. You know, it happens. I also th- I think Estrada has a chance to be really, really special. Last night, uh, 11 points, one rebound, one rebound six assists. Um, didn't get much out of Pringle. You know, just had six points in uh, in, in 14 minutes. Um, and there were foul, foul issues there, but, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, at the end, when we get down to, uh, SEC, late in the SEC season and then SEC tournament, it will be interesting to look back at this stretch and see, did it hurt Alabama or did it help Alabama? Because it, it hasn't necessarily hurt them in you know in the in the in the Ken Palm standings, right? They're still ninth in the country, but they are six and five. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Matt? Like, good idea or bad idea to play this schedule with this young of a team? And granted, when the schedule set, you didn't know the team was going to be right. this young. That's but, the point. Yeah, that's but, the point. Because um, if you had a veteran team, they'd won two of these three. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but you, you can't kind of can't change it after it's already occurred. So that's the issue. But I, that's how much I think about Nate Oates. Uh, he can handle that and still coach him up. You know, he can point out the weaknesses, but he can also point out the positives and what happened, even in a 13 point loss to Arizona. 
Um, you know, they they could have beat Creighton. They could have beaten Purdue. That went down to literally inside the last minute. So I, I mean, think that 40, he's smart well, enough. It, it he's smart 40. enough to coach yeah. them up when they're down. Yeah, that's to say. At, at halftime last night, it's forty-one forty. I mean, and yeah. I think Arizona felt uh, incredibly uh, uh, happy the fact that they were winning that game by one because Alabama was dominating them. Not dominating, but Alabama looked like the superior team for the first, you know, 15, 17 minutes. Uh, but the, the talent is there and it's just, uh, it, it, it's just gonna take some coaching, uh, and gonna take, you know, practice. And it's just so hard to throw, you know, uh, five new guys essentially uh, who've never played together and think that they're instantly going to have this uh, incredible chemistry. Because chemistry is so important in basketball. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that it's it's more important in basketball than probably every other sport. Uh, just because, you know, you got five guys and you, you're really operating, you know, in concert with one another. And it's not just five, right? It's, it's really the, the 10, 11 who are in the rotation. And it just, uh, it takes time and they're, they're figuring it out. And given Nate Oates' history, I'm quite confident he will figure it out. Well, and uh, you're correct to point out the bench because they've got to come in there, and, and he plays a lot of his bench. So um, we'll see. Um, as Alabama is back, I would assume, from Arizona. By the way, they said that was a neutral side game. <laughs> what? It just wasn't played on Arizona's floor. <laughs> but uh, you know how that is. That's like calling uh, the BJCC, you know. Uh, Legacy Arena. If Alabama played there, calling that a neutral site, if Arizona would have come here. <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. All right. Hey, top of the hour. It's halftime. Tim Brando is next hour on Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wyatt. Developing story in college athletics. The Athletic was the first to report that Florida State has scheduled an emergency meeting of its board of trustees for Friday morning. And it's the first concrete step needed in any effort to enable the school to take legal action against the Atlantic Coast Conference. Florida State was previously snubbed by the four-team college football playoff earlier this month. And that is reportedly believed to be a factor in the school's decision to possibly leave the ACC and get out of the conference's grant of rights agreement that expires in 2036. NFL injury news. We've got a couple of updates. Ian Rappaport saying that Zach Taylor has officially ruled out wide receiver Jamar Chase this week against the Steelers. And from the Steelers' perspective, Adam Schefter saying that Mike Tomlin officially ruling out Kenny Pickett. For the game against Cincinnati, so Mason Rudolph will get the start. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Big Noon Sports presented by Andy Sanding, Union Hall Morgan. 
Mars, Noah, Wyatt, all bringing the show today. You just heard at the top of the hour, the Fox Sports Update, that um, Florida State is calling an emergency meeting to talk about what they're going to do about the ACC. And I'm sure they're going to throw things around the room again. The fact that they did make the final four teams in the college football playoffs. But I think the one thing here, and it was mentioned in that brief report, so Florida State's not long for the ACC. I think the question now is where, Lars? Yeah. Who wants this whiny group anyway? <laughs> hey, I, I don't. I don't begrudge Florida State for having a grudge because, frankly, they got hosed. They did. You know, they first time in uh, the college football playoff era that a Power Five conference. Uh, uh, champion who was undefeated didn't make it into the college football playoffs, and uh, you know it, it, it was. It, I think it was the right decision, but uh, it just was a, a a difficult one. And I think Florida State, you know, I, I think their anger is directed at the ACC commissioner because you had Greg Sankey going on every single media talking to every reporter if there was a microphone he would find it if there was a camera he would find it and he would make the case for alabama make the case for for the sec while the acc commissioner whose name escapes me right now phillips uh, last name is yeah phillips he basically sat on his hands he wasn't out there advocating for florida state and uh, as vigorously, certainly as vigorously as Sankey. And, uh, you know, you, you and I both are such huge Greg Sankey fans. And not just as a commissioner, as a person, you know, we, we know him personally. And he's, he's just a, a, a wonderful, a wonderful guy. guy. No question. Um, who would want Florida State? I, I, I think, a, I, I think <laughs> the Big Ten and the SEC. It seems to me that they are a natural fit for the SEC, but yeah. but one of our guests, I forget who it was a couple of weeks ago, made a point that I really hadn't thought of when we were talking about Florida State and where they could end up, and that is Florida. Would Florida, and does Florida have the 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 sort of the muscle within the SEC conference to say we don't want Florida State here? We don't want another team in our conference to be in our backyard. Do you, I mean, you know, do you think – is that I a thing? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's something that the other members of the Southeastern Conference would pay attention to. They, they would honor that. Um, you know, uh, we've got uh, – Alabama has two. In, uh, and now we got two from Texas that are in the Southeastern Conference. And I know, uh, you know, Texas A&M probably wasn't real fond of the deal when Texas got voted in. But it ended up, you know, what's good for the group. I just think that the value of Florida State and literally over the past month, and it goes back to their dealings uh, trying to shun the F, uh, the the ACC, Florida State did. You know, they, they were the only ones that didn't vote for the 12-team playoff, right? So some yeah. of this actually comes back on them. But, yeah, I think Florida has a right to stand up and protest. But I'm just not so sure anymore they're as good a fit as we thought. 
even as close to a year ago. But getting back to their uh, dealings with the ACC and how, you know, they've been saying, we want out, we want out. So if you're Commissioner Phillips of the ACC and you've got this one-member institution that's just kicking up a dust storm, well, when they need some help, are you as apt to go, hey, let's bring the cavalry. We're coming to Florida State's rescue here. and We're going to try and get them in the Final Four. Or um, are you <laughs> you going to do what Phillips did, pretty much keep his mouth shut and let Florida State stand where they fall? Stand where they yeah, I mean, and there's, but there, there's some legal issues at play here too. So the 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 board of trustees is meeting tomorrow morning, as we said, and uh, the board is they have to vote on any action the school decides to take, including uh, the possibility of challenging uh, or making a challenge to the grant of rights. And so basically any ACC school that wants to leave the conference would have to challenge the grant of rights. And so Florida State and uh, and all the other ACC members signed this deal, the grant of rights, with the league. Basically, you just wed yourself to the league. This runs through 2036. And nobody has ever challenged the grant of rights. Right. And, and, uh, ACC officials have, uh, have described this, uh, as a, a sort of an ironclad legal document. But Florida State's had its own counsel review it and they think that there are some, there's some wiggle room there. So there will be lawyers, Matt. <laughs> there's always lawyers. Oh boy. <laughs> that makes it fun. But, but you know what? Given the, the how the Big Ten has aggressively gone after teams to expand the footprint of the conference, it makes sense for them to go after Florida State because they the Big Ten currently doesn't have a, a team from Florida in the conference, and we know that that geographics mean or the, the geographic location of schools means nothing now. I think I think the Big Ten would be the landing spot for Florida State. You know, uh, I don't think I'm alone, and I really believe that uh, people of my generation are probably more apt to say this, but I know it doesn't matter. It matters to me. I don't think Oregon... <laughs> Oregon's in the Big Ten now? Uh, or will be? Um, Florida State to the Big Ten? You know, I, I kind of went uh, Missouri, Southeastern, when that all happened. I guess it goes back to when I thought, that, you know, Nebraska, Texas. I mean, everybody had their place. You know, I think it all started with the disbanding of the Southwest Conference, and now I, they had to scramble there. But uh, I'm being very long-winded in saying I still think that the conferences ought to have geographical boundaries. But that ain't happening, is it, Lars? No. And, um, yeah, I mean, the Big Ten, gosh, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Um, yeah, I mean, they're from sea to shining sea. And, uh, (laughs) soon they'll, they'll, they'll be in Florida one way or another. And, um, you know, I, I think eventually we're just, it'll be three conferences. Yeah. And uh, I, I wouldn't 
put a lot of faith in the ACC being one that is survives. I think. Will it think, be all football, Lars? Because I don't. This is a, you start throwing basketball into the mix, and, and you've got powerhouses in basketball that aren't in oh, football. Is that yeah. going to fit into? I just, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I do think it would have to just be football. Yeah, me too. Because uh, it just the way the NCAA basketball tournament and the way the NCAA basketball is structured, it is so radically different than college football where I, I think it makes sense to have, you know, 60, 65 teams or whatever, you know, in sort of the top division. And then you have a second division. Right. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of this is going to have to do also with the the proposal that the NCA just put forth about um, revenue distribution, NIL uh, and and restructuring and uh, alignment. There's there's so many issues in college football going on that, uh, frankly, are kind of boring <laughs> to, to, to discuss, so uh, we'll get uh, we'll get a little more lively here with, with uh, Tim Brando coming up next next here, Matt. Yep, hang on to your radio dial. Fox Sports is on the way. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Attention. Hudson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. For many... 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today 57. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights. The low 36. For tomorrow and Saturday, partially sunny both days. The warming trend continues. The high tomorrow 60. The high Saturday 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Our guest, let's go, folks. Merry Christmas to the one and only Fox Sports play-by-play announcer and all. It's Tim Brando. Timmy, it's Matt and Lars back here in Alabama. How are you? Melly Kaliki Maka is the thing to say <laughs> on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that I send to you from Chateau Brando. Anyway, okay. How are you, fellas? Good to be with you. I'm so much better now. That's awesome. Uh, there you go. Made my day. <laughs> See, I, I want to start with uh, a kind of interesting question, at least from my vantage point, is uh, Christmas shopping. 
Christmas shopping for Tim Brando in Shreveport. One of the things that I've always really admired about you is that you could have moved a lot of different places. New York, Bristol, L.A., I guess. But you've always stayed home where your home is in Shreveport. So when you go out, do do the people of Shreveport just kind of say, hey, there's Tim. And you don't, you know, get the masses circling you asking for autographs and pictures. No. No, they're very unimpressed. <laughs> and it's one of the things that I love about living at home, uh, because most of the people here are from here. You know, um, and when you have a town like that, they know your background. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a level of, um, you know, respect, and I love that, too. It's nice. And it, uh, You know, what's really good is when somebody will stop me, and this happened the other day, when uh, Terry and I, I were out looking for some stocking stuffers, I want to say maybe we were at uh, Target, possibly, because that's where you can get a lot of good stocking stuffers. And um, I don't really go out shopping by myself, uh, except to get her gift, okay, because she's, you know, I can't, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to go when she wants to go to get the stuff for the kids, the grandkids, and whatever else, but... Um, Somebody will stop me, usually someone about 10 years older than me. So that would mean mid-70s or older. And they'll kind of look and stare a little bit. And then they'll you know, maybe come back to me and they'll say, you know, I hate to bother you, but you're, 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 you're Tim Brando, aren't you? And I'll smile and I'll say yes. And they'll say, you know, I knew your dad. Okay, well, when that happens, that's like a, you know, a smack on the chops from God. Because that's why I came home. You know, um, my father's been dead since 1984. Uh, but he was a legendary, uh, pioneer of television and, and radio and, and broadcasting in general, uh, in Shreveport. Okay. Um, on a local level, he would be similar to, um, oh gosh, I'm going to say in your town, remember John Ed Willoughby? You remember John Ed Willoughby, don't you? Um, yeah, one of the great MCs of all time, great radio guy. Oh, was I, wor- on for years I worked with John Ed in, Al- years in and Alabama. Years and years. Yeah, well, my, my dad was sort of John Ed on steroids because he was on TV as much as he was on radio, and he did, um, and he had a band, you know, that toured sack air bases, and and the band would play on a show that he had every Sunday evening uh, for about five years when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. So. When somebody mentions him, that's like, that's the kind of attention you love to get. Okay. But, um, but so people that, that know me, they know why I do what I do. They know why I've been doing it because I, I grew up with basically no other alternative. This was all I was ever going to do. So they're not terribly, uh, impressed. For instance, if I'm back in Baton Rouge, which is where my career took off. Okay, it would be a lot different. Okay, it would be a lot different in Baton Rouge because it's a major college town, and everything centers around the school. And it's true in most college towns, but 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 Shreveport is one of the largest cities without a big college in it. You know, Centenary is a private liberal arts school, about the size of Birmingham Southern. Maybe could be the Aroma could be even smaller. Um, LSU Shreveport also a commuter school that's relatively small so it's not a big college town um so it's 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 primarily made up of a lot of locals and the locals know my dna and 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 so they 
and they respect the fact that we're out doing what they would do. I, I just sort of blend in here, which is great. Tim, uh, I, I'm really glad we're on this subject. Uh, that I, I find it interesting because I'm living through it a little bit, not to the degree that you did, uh, but Matt and I have discussed this. How did your kids deal with the fact that their dad was on national television when your kids were, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth grade? Oh, I think um, it was different for both of them because Tiffany was born in 1983. And and I was in in the middle of my journey out of local radio and television into national television at that time. So we were just living um, uh, a life where we got into our first home shortly after she was born. Okay. And, um, and then I went on television, uh, at channel nine and I started doing some games, but she was really young and, and probably other than seeing me on a TV set, didn't know quite what to think. When we moved to Connecticut, when she was four, uh, I think she thought, okay, this is kind of a big deal. And then when she went to, to the studios at ESPN and, and seeing what her father did, I think it was, uh, probably pretty cool and she was the only southern girl in her kindergarten class and people called her a southern belle and that kind of thing so she got a kick out of that but when we moved home she was going into the first grade and um at that time you know career days would start right in about the second grade and so when i came up there on in the second grade to talk about being on television and I was always like um, between the, the firefighter that saved lives and the surgeon that saved lives. You know, hey, my dad gets to wear makeup. My, my dad's on television gets to wear makeup. You know, she thought that was really cool. Um, and, and so it, it, she sort of evolved into that. I think it became a bigger deal for her when she was out of high school and going into LSU. And she would hear about it, you know, if her dad said something bad about, you know, the Tigers. You know, she she hear about it, and then it started affecting her life a little bit, um, and not always in a good way. But but that was for the you know she's forty one years old now, so she it evolved during that period. For Tara, who was born in nineteen ninety, right after we moved back home from Connecticut, um, she she never knew uh, what life was like without having a dad that was recognized. And so it was a lot different for her. And the kids that she went to school with, whose parents, you know, would tell their kids, well, Tara's dad does this, this, this. And and they were watching, and they were, by and large, about nine, ten years younger than me. You know, the parents of Tara's kids. We had, Terry and I had Tara when we were in our mid-30s. So, you know, a lot of the parents were ten years younger. Whereas with Tiffany, the parents were about the same age. We had her when she, we were about 27. So it was a whole different thing. I think that generational difference between someone in their 40s and someone in their 30s is huge in our country. I really do. Just based on my own experiences with both with both girls. Um, Tara dug it because she was a little bit wired like me, wanted to do media, and she thought it was really cool and saw criticism of me or her as a little bit of a badge of honor. And she was a leader in her school. She was state student council president. She was in the homecoming court every year. And so she had to deal with a lot of, um, um, I think, mean girls, uh, 
You know, that movie Mean Girls was coming out about mm-hmm. the time she was in uh, high school as a freshman. And uh, so she sort of dealt with it and and wore it like a badge of honor. But it was hard on her. I think it was very hard on her at times because of what her dad did. I think a lot of people all automatically felt that she was going to get things because of, uh, you know, have honors come her way. She earned everything she got. So it was tougher on her, no doubt about it. That last part is so very absolutely mm-hmm. true. Tim, yeah. we're going to get you hang on because I want to ask you about Florida State and a few other things. Tim Brando is you, our guest from Fox Sports on Big Noon Sports. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming it's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Sunbelt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com. CC Sports, like good zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Laura Lee Thompson, Matt Lars, Tim Brando is with us. Tim, and matter of fact, we carry the Fox News Sports Report on radio at the top of the hour, and they're the ones that uh, I first heard the report from. Florida State was calling this emergency meeting to to talk about their relationship with the ACC and all moving forward. Where do you see Florida State in a year? It may take more than a year, but I do see them exiting, and um, I, I do I do see the legitimacy of that having a, a, a real ripple effect in terms of additional realignment. This thing could move a lot faster than originally thought um, because of Florida State's potential here, and and. For those that might <laughs> believe that Florida State is at a loss or uh, it's the SEC or bust for them, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, you, people have to remember this is a, and I know it's easy, especially popular right now in Alabama, to be busted on Florida State uh, because of their reaction to what happened uh, uh, on Selection Sunday after the championship games a couple of weeks ago. but. Uh, Florida State has tremendous value. Uh, now, now whether it's to uh, the Big Ten or to the Big Twelve, or um, uh, or because of leverage from either one of those two, possibly even the SEC, I certainly don't want to speak for uh, Commissioner Sankey or anyone in the SEC. I, I have no idea. I mean. Listen, uh, they keep me from doing shows on their network now. So I, I, no one from that office is talking to me. So, 
uh, they'll they'll do whatever they want to do. But they could create leverage potentially if other leagues are interested in them. And the reason is because of the the value of the brand that Florida State is. It is a really good brand. That that's one of the reasons why this story, fellas, has lasted as long as it has. Uh, I think a lot of people poo-pooed the notion that this story would even be continually discussed all the way well into its second week and moving up to the CFP getting started. But the reason is because Florida State was treated like an outlier in college football, and they're anything but. I mean, they are not an outlier. They're 10 years removed from a national championship. Uh, Bobby Bowden was one of the greatest college football coaches of our time. Uh, people in Birmingham certainly should recognize that. It's, it's his hometown. And and what he achieved and what Florida State uh, accomplished moving from a teacher's college for women uh, into the vanguard, really, of, of college football was pretty amazing. So they're of, of value. And the state of Florida is uh, a marketplace for those other conferences. It's not something that the SEC has that would be uh, necessarily important because they already have a presence in that state. But uh, other leagues could be very, very uh, excited about the potential of adding a Florida state. Tim, uh, Georgia has sort of universally uh, been ranked as having the top recruiting class after the early signing period yesterday. Um, in your estimation, what, what makes Kirby Smart so good at recruiting? He works it. He just flat out works it. He's he's just a younger version of Saban. I mean, uh, he really is. Uh, now, Kirby's uh, Kirby's a guy that is um, uh, is probably more of a regular guy in the sense that you feel like you can connect with him if you're a young person. Nick is um, uh, not because Nick is not a a, a, a man's man. He, he really is. Those of us that know Nick understand that about him, that he's, um, there's a side of him that is, uh, exceedingly normal. The problem is his circle is so small. You know, Nick doesn't, um, spend a lot of time with very many people. He's got a core group of people that are, uh, close to him that he allows into his circle. And uh, there was a, there was a time when I was part of that. Uh, that's no longer the case. I haven't covered coach Saban in quite a while. Uh, when I did, I, I felt like he um, he gave me some access that maybe others uh, did not have. But 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 Kirby is when he walks into a room, uh, happy to be there. It seems with Nick when he walks into a room. Now there's an entourage with him. <laughs> you know, most of the time, uh, and that's a byproduct of what can happen. I saw that happen with Mike Shishovsky in basketball too. Um, I can still call Mike Mike. You know, very few people do. He's He's Coach K to everybody. Coach K sort of overtook uh, Mike Krzyzewski, okay, for those of us that knew Mike before Mike became Coach K. Uh, so, sort of the same vibe with um, with Nick. Part of that has to do with age, and part of that has to do with level of respect. But I think in a lot of ways, Kirby uh, identifies uh, more so than, than Nick with uh, a lot of the young people that he's recruiting because he's, He's closer in age to them, and while he's accomplished a lot, he's done it more recently. And and when you see him and you talk to him, you feel like he'll engage with you and probably engage with everyone around you. Whereas Nick, not not 
not nearly as much. And even Nick, when he was younger, uh, had that sort of persona about him in his days uh, at Michigan State and at LSU. He he appeared at times to be aloof to a lot of people when, in fact, he wasn't, if you really knew him. Uh, he was as regular a guy as you'd ever want to meet. Our guest is Tim Brando. Tim, last week uh, you indicated you thought that uh, Alabama had what it takes to beat Michigan. I wanted you to touch on that briefly if that's still your stance there, but maybe go into more depth about Washington and Texas. Yeah, you know, I I do think that, you know, since that time uh, when we spoke earlier, um, my my, – talk to a number of guys that know more football than I do that I always lean on uh, people like Spencer Tillman and others and they all agree that that Milrow is a different he's a different guy uh, for Michigan to deal with than anyone that they played all year but the other side of that and maybe I didn't give Michigan enough credit is that uh, the Wolverines are a team that that you know the, the only thing that they've got going in that's uh, an intangible that would be on their side in many ways. I've heard a lot of people talking about, well, Alabama uh, is only getting more pissed off with each passing day because of the the, 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 the uh, pushback that so many have given them about getting in over Florida State. I, I get that, and I know how Nick can use that as a motivating tool. No one's better at it than Coach Saban. Uh, but at the same time, Michigan, you know, they've got a bigger chip. And that's the chip that, that says they've not gotten past this round, you know, in the last two opportunities that they've had. You know, they, they, they got spanked in the first one, and they lost to a team that narrative since has been, oh, my God, how did they even get in? You know, and I think that's, that's going to give Michigan um, an ax to grind that might be as large, if not larger, than Alabama's. But when you look at the game on the field, Okay, I just believe that Milrow, with a third and long, the game is going to come down to this, in my opinion, third down and seven or more, okay, which is what Michigan wants to accomplish on the early down. If they can hold Alabama's run game and force them into third and long situations, will they be able to defend Milrow's running capability? All right? And I'm not sure they can do that. I think that Milrow has now wised up from the standpoint of knowing and identifying when the team is in man-to-man coverage. And when that's the case and the backs of those DBs are covered, are, are turned to him, he's going to know to just tuck it and run and and convert those third and longs. Uh, if you go back and look at tape of the, the opponents that many people thought had a really good chance of beating Alabama this year, go back and look at A&M, Ole Miss, um, LSU. Uh, you can make a case that all of those teams in different sequences had held Alabama to third and long many times. The problem was Milrow converted those third and long, either with his arm or with his leg. And see, I, I think that even though Michigan defensively is much stronger in its secondary than LSU or Ole Miss or, or A&M, uh, they, they, they certainly don't and haven't dealt with someone that when they cover people up, can pull the ball down and run for a first down. And and that's why I'm staying with Alabama. Um, I've, I've not been talked out of my, my prediction. Bottom line, I, I am still taking Alabama to win the game. 
Can you give us your breakdown of the other side of the ball, the Michigan offense against Alabama's defense? Well, yeah, sure. It's a similar story because, uh, you know, J.J. is a good runner. Um, you know, when you look at him, uh, he's a guy that can can beat you with his legs on occasion. Problem is, uh, you know they're going to pound it, and you know that third down five, third down six, which may be considered for most defenses uh, a definite passing situation. Michigan's been so good at running the football, Lars, that that's actually more of a run-pass conflict situation for Alabama defensively than maybe they realize. Michigan's converted a lot of third and, and longs on the ground. Donovan Edwards, uh, more than Corum, both of those backs are really good. Short yardage back is Corum, but if you've got a third and medium, and by that I mean third and five or, or third and six, uh, it's not a sure bet that you're going to get a passing play from Michigan. As a matter of fact, I would be surprised if, if they didn't approach the game as though, and this may be happening, that they'll be with in a plus territory for them to go on fourth down might be their own 45. Because there have been games, you saw this against Penn State, the entire second half, McCarthy never threw the ball. Never threw the ball. Uh, but when he does pass it, he's very effective and they get big plays. So uh, dealing with Milrow, I think, is more of a physical thing than it is a uh, schematic thing. For Michigan's defense, dealing with McCarthy is, in my opinion, more of a schematic thing for Alabama's defense because they've not played anyone in the SEC that on third and six consistently wasn't in a pass-first situation. But Michigan will make them think about that, and they could easily convert on third and longs. It's, so much of what's going to be happening in that game is going to be based on you know, pre-snap movement and situations. And and we know with extra time, and this is another area where you give Saban a big advantage, fellas. You know, with time to prepare, he can screw up even a veteran quarterback like McCarthy. And, and I think that's another great advantage for them. So, again, I give the advantage to Alabama on both fronts. Tim, it's always a blast. Get out there and do your Christmas shopping if you've got any event to uh, finish up. I do want to ask you something because we start all talking about your family in Shreveport. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have a bride, Terry, of 41 years, and you talked about your 45. daughters, Tiffany. 45. Okay, that, that, this is, this that, is that old. Wikipedia is old. old. <laughs> you knew exactly what I was looking at. Uh, oh, yeah. I look at them for really, really basic stuff. But anyway, you've got yeah. Tiffany and Tara. Yeah. Were the T's intentional in your daughter's name? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We definitely I mean, you got Tim and one. Terry. You, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, if we had a, a little boy or a girl next, it would have been Taylor. My wife's mother's Love maiden name was Taylor. So we would have gone with Taylor, whether it had been a girl or a boy. But, you know, God only intended for us to have two. That's why we doubled up on grandkids. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas to you and all the T's. Hey, Merry Christmas to both you guys. Always enjoyed coming on and, uh, you know, making contact with all my friends in Alabama. As I said, uh, the boys at the SEC Network don't want me on, but I'll continue to bother them, you know, here on Side 100.9. <laughs> okay. Oh, you got enough. it. Thanks, Thank Tim. you. Take Teddy. care, fellas. Uh -huh. You bet. Bye-bye.
of all the play-by-play and, and national you know, TV pundits I've, I've ever seen met, um, he speaks his mind more than anybody. Um, he does, and it's interesting that... Doesn't, ma- know, doesn't matter where he is or who he's talking to. Such a, I don't know why he's such a polarizing figure. Maybe let, let's get some callers uh, to uh, chime in on that. Why, why is Tim Two, Brando so polarizing? 205-342-9904. Back to take calls and wrap up this Thursday edition of Big News Sports. Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up, it's Football Friday. We're going to talk Bama and Michigan. We'll continue to talk transfer portal. We'll continue to talk recruiting. Where does Bama stand? Take your phone calls as well. That's coming up tomorrow on the Miller's Edge. Right here on the Tide 100.9. 1230 WTBC, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today, 57. Fair tonight, not as cold as recent nights. The low, 36. For tomorrow and Saturday, partially sunny both days. The warming trend continues. The high tomorrow, 60. The high Saturday, 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. I, I I can't. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I mean, you know, we try to be honest. We try to be upfront. Um, we try to sell people on the fact that they can create value in their brand. That we're going to make a great investment in them here, personally, academically, and athletically. And you know, there's a lot of guys that still buy into that. Um, I think name, image, and likeness uh, has, you know, maybe spread. You know, where guys go out, um, because, you know, some guys are interested in how much money they can make. Um, so, and that's okay, but that, that's, we're trying to invest in the players and their future so that they can create more value for their future. And now there's a lot of players that still buy into that. Nick Saban talking about the influence of NIL on recruiting. Yeah, I think there is a sense of what he said there at the very last. I think, and like he said, don't blame them. But I think a lot of these kids now know that they have a value and sometimes very large value monetarily. And they come out with their fists. You know, they're in the cash booth. They're grabbing. 
Um, and here's something that uh, I think I mentioned it on Twitter a couple of days ago is that uh, never, ever do you hear a guy say or a girl say, I want to go to Auburn because of their engineering school. <laughs> When's the last time you heard a player say that? Um, I think Jalen Hurts said, I'm going to Alabama because I want to take Lars Anderson's sports writing class. Um, you know, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> no, Jalen, uh, he was always in Reese Pfeiffer. Uh, I, th- I think his major, he may have been a public relations major. Uh, he was in, so he was always in the building that I teach in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about, Nick Saban is that yeah the the landscape of recruiting has changed dramatically but the core principles of what he is all about what his program is all about and what Alabama is all about under during his reign is that we are going to develop you and oh by the way look at the NFL rosters what did you say the number was? 72. 71. 71 on active. It might active. be 72 by now. We've got yeah, another week But in. 71 on active rosters right now. And, yeah, you can, you know, go ahead and go to uh, Georgia Tech and, and get your 80000 you know, in NIL. Or once you come here, take less NIL right now, but we're going to develop you so – you're going to be good enough to be, say, a, a fourth-round draft pick, and maybe you can get that second contract that every NFL player covets, right? Because that's really when you hit the home run money is that second contract. And I, I would love to see just by school over the last 15 years how many players have actually gotten that second contract. Because that, yes, I mean, the first contract is always wonderful, but if you talk to NFL guys, and, and trust me, I have it, and you have too, Matt. It's all about getting that second deal because and that's that is not when it's true in the National Football League. That's in the NBA. That's yeah. in Major League Baseball yeah, too. But because that, that's the when the, the truly like altering, life altering, like generational money comes, right? That in, because you know the first contract is wonderful. You get you know seven eight million bucks, and yes, I'm not saying that that's not a lot of money, but if you can get to a place where you get forty fifty million, um, oh, then that just that that just sets up your family if you're smart with your finances for not just one but two or three generations. You know where money doesn't necessarily have to be an issue. Um, so, hey Lars, uh, I just sent you an email. What was in it? Uh, tickets to the Birmingham Bowl. I'm really excited. Uh, turns out I I am going to be able to take uh, my three little ones to the game and and uh, been uh, checking out the seating chart and uh, just excited, excited. It sounds like the the weather is going to be pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we're going to take in a little uh, Troy, uh, who's got a 11 and two record, going against the uh, Duke Blue Devils, seven and five. Um, I'm intrigued. It'll be yeah, fun. It should be a good game, and um, you can get your own tickets. Matt doesn't have to email them to you, 
<laughs> you can uh, get them by going to Birmingham. It's a 76, you know, Union 76, the gas sponsor, is the title sponsor of the Birmingham Bowl. And you can go to BirminghamBowl.com and you can immediately find your way to tickets. Purchase them and Lars and I will see you this coming Saturday. Let's try and get a call or two here. Digger, you have dialed in Big Noon Sports. Yeah. If you ever want to get on the, uh, draw the eye or a brand up, just bring up Texas to it. He can't stand the Longhorns. But anyway, real quick, about FSU. Why don't they just do what Nebraska did, Lars? Leave the Big 12 and don't pay the exit fee. And Mizzou did the same thing, too. I'm just to take on that. Let you go. Yeah, I, I would have to dig into that, uh, Digger. That's why he's um, Digger. Yeah, uh, he, he's got me on that because I, I think he has done his research, and I, I frankly don't remember. I just remember Nebraska, and we've talked about this, Matt. The reason they left the Big Twelve, reasons number one, two, three, four, and five. One school, Texas, couldn't stand the arrogance of Texas and and we've seen it and we I've talked about it and we've talked about it Matt uh for 2 years now like uh just the just the 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 uh the the, the pedestrian little things that Texas will do just to irritate irritate uh you know athletic uh, officials ADs coaches and this feeling of superiority that they project. And my prediction is that within two years of being in the SEC, everyone, all the other teams, they're going to realize what I am expressing right now. And Texas, in short order, will be the most hated team in the SEC. Bubba, you got one minute as we wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports. What's up? Hey guys, I just want to tell y'all Merry Christmas. I ain't talked to y'all in a, in a while, but uh, roll tide. Let's go beat their brains out. Oh, uh, that's a great way to end the show up, Bubba. Thanks for calling. Merry Christmas, guys. We'll talk to you next year. Bye bye. Okay. Well, we will be here tomorrow and through the end of the year and, and hopefully uh, well into 2024, but uh, that's as good as it can end up. My, my, my girls are starting to call Lincoln Bubba. Really? Like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. You know, I, I got to tell you, with all due respect, Lincoln does not look like a bubble. He does not look like a bubble. I mean, he does not. But, uh, you know, maybe he grows into it. Maybe he wears it well. Um, I guess cool that's, like the, that's brother. Is that what they're yeah. doing? Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. All right. Uh, but it's very southern, dude. Yeah. All right. We got to get out of here. Everybody have a blessed day. We'll do this again tomorrow at noon on Big Noon Sports.